Welcome to the Confidently Me with CC podcast. I'm your host and hype queen, CC. My purpose is to empower you to discover your most authentic self and find confidence in every ounce of what makes you, you. Tune in on Tuesdays to experience reality unfiltered as we break down the crazy norms and expectations we've been conditioned to believe our entire lives. All while learning how to discover your true self and live a happier, more fulfilled life being confidently you. Let's do this, fam. Hello, 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 fam, and welcome to today's episode of Confidently Me with Cece. I am so pumped you're here. Also, oh my goodness, it has been super warm this week. Uh, For anybody listening in the future, it's February, and this week, literally the past four days, has been upwards of 55 degrees and very sunny. Uh, This little spring teaser is really just making me so pumped for A, daylight savings, gotta love that, Uh, you know, the 7 p.m. sunset, and then B, warm weather. And it's really just this mood booster. I feel like I'm honestly hesitant to say that because I do love winter, but I gotta say, I really, really, really love this 55 degree plus vibe. Well, Anywho, on all those great vibes, we have an incredible episode for you today. We are diving all into our emotions and feelings and really how you can work through them in not so scary ways where you don't have to feel so vulnerable or exposed or like you're taking this big risk having emotions. Also, you might want to get your journals or notes or, you know, whatever you might want to take down some tidbits on for this episode. So just warning you about that now before we dive into stuff. Um, But of course, first, we have our pod pit and pod peak of the week. So always starting with my pod peak over here, fam. Well, this week, I have started to implement a new early wake-up routine just as part of a reimagined morning routine for me. And I know a lot of people do this already, but wow, is it empowering, fam. Uh, Mel Robbins, she's just oh, – Mel Robbins is amazing. If you don't know who she is, just look her up. Um, but Mel Robbins, she said not to hit snooze, and she is so right because literally once my alarm goes off, 7.30 I've been waking up, I just – wake up, force myself out of bed. And for like five minutes or so, it kind of sucks. But then I finally feel awake. I brush my teeth. I go downstairs. I make my coffee and I do all these things in the morning before I actually have to like start my work and start my day. And I've been keeping track of all of the things that I, I do leading up to when I start to work. And it's incredible the amount of things that I can do with all of that extra time, like literally an extra hour or two in the morning. I just take stock and review everything I did. And huh, it's so empowering. As I really solidify this routine, I'll definitely talk about on the pod what I do between wake up and logging into work uh, on the computer in the morning and why that resonates for me. And maybe there's something in there for you too. So moving into my pit for this week, this is very relevant to today's episode. I faced and unpacked a big fear of mine and this really took a lot. I find actually that all of my pod pits are actually silver linings. So Maybe I should change this uh, to the silver lining of the week or something. But anywho, this one's really, like I said, really super relevant to this pod episode and is a really good segue actually into our topic. 
Um, so I noticed in curiously observing myself that I have these really big fears that creep up on me. They always tend to be present in some way or another, whether it comes through um, you know, me being paranoid about one of my loved ones dying suddenly, or it's me thinking that I can't breathe, or it's me thinking that I'm suddenly allergic to the food that I just ate, even though I've eaten that food like a thousand times. Or if it's not that, it's me being anxious about flying. And if it's not that, it's me being super afraid of the dark, thinking that like a scary movie character is in my room. Well, I was chatting with my therapist this week and I realized that it's really time to put this fear to rest. Like I just – I just am sick of it. I'm sick of always being paranoid all the time. And what we started to talk about is what's the purpose of this fear? And what does it actually mean for that fear to be so present? Like what is it representative of in my life? Because also it's not natural that the fear is there is what I was realizing. The fear is there as like a a sign, as a signal to tell me something. So I learned two things here. One – is when I put myself in the fear's shoes, I learned that the whole point of the fear is that it's just a protective response. Like the whole point of it is literally just to protect me, which is so ironic considering how icky it makes me feel inside. Like literally squirmish and uncomfortable in a way that's just not intended for growth, but suffering. And since the fear is meant to protect me from something, it means that my body and my mind are in a mode where it thinks it's something I'm in need of protection from. So that means that I'm in constant fight, flight, or freeze. And that's crazy because I'm completely safe, like so cushy, comfortable, safe, like in my safe space, in my apartment, in my house, like – It's wild, but it makes sense though because if you think about it, dating back to humans like 5,000 years ago, fear was actually a beneficial response because for early humans, they needed intense responses like that to really ensure survival. But I don't need that now. So it's just crazy that this whole fear is trying to protect me from something in the first place. And it's also interesting thinking about what would constantly come up in my mind that I was fearful of or paranoid about um, because – It seemed like my body was like trying to protect myself from those things, even though I wasn't at risk of like, you know, uh, somebody scary being in my apartment, even when I'm all alone and I've like checked all the doors and behind the doors and I've checked under the bed and all the closets and everything. Um, So the second thing I realized is that fear is just a mask. With my therapist, we did this whole grounding exercise, which is super important if you want to face your fears and get into uh, this kind of shadow self work is what they call it. Um, but first I grounded myself and then I invited my fear in and I faced my fear head on, all scary as it looks. But then I realized it's just a mask. What's behind the fear isn't fear. It was just little Cece. My therapist literally had me look at the fear. We called it little guy. I won't get all into it, but I mean, look at the fear and we pretended that there was like a mask and they took off the mask and I literally saw my little self behind it. And it was just so profound. It made me so emotional because I saw this little Cece. And when I asked her what she's so afraid of, she told me that her biggest fear is not being loved or not being worthy of love. I could get emotional right now talking about it. That really hits deep, fam. I literally worked through and discovered one of my deepest fears this week. And since then, I haven't had any of that paranoia or ever-present fear stuff, like with the dying and the breathing and the flying and the allergies and all of that stuff. Like, it's completely lifted from me. And that's been really cool. 
So pod pit turned peak slash silver lining for sure. And even though it took a lot for me to go through it, like this is why I do this work. It only just reinforced why I, I even do this stuff in the first place. I'm so grateful for this practice and just to keep facing my fears head on. Uh, now that we just started out with like a hella big emotion, we're going to peel it all back, tap it all back as we dive into today's main topic. So today we are diving into all things, feelings, emotions, and being human. Oh my. By the way, if you didn't catch on to it, it's a reference um, or just kind of like a play on of like lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. Ah, Gotta love uh, creative podcast names. Anywho. I promise that emotions and feelings aren't as scary as you think, and actually leaning into them will only be beneficial to your life, whether it's with friends, family, romance, the relationship you have with yourself. Tapping into and embracing your feelings and emotions for what they actually are helps indicate where you're at and can guide you on your journey through life so you can ultimately communicate effectively and feel grounded and feel whole as a result. I mean, Who doesn't want to feel whole? We're on this planet not to be half a human. We are on this planet to be a whole human. But when we block out our emotions and our feelings, it's definitely something that can hamper us feeling like a whole person. It's why I'm dedicating a whole episode to this topic in the first place, really to teach you all about how to healthfully and easily identify and process your feelings and emotions. So getting right into it. First, we got to define feelings and emotions. We're going to talk about the difference between them. We're going to talk about how they come together to form the brilliant ecosystem, really, that you are. And then we'll get into some healthy ways that you can access your emotions to help you figure out what's right for you. It's a super jam-packed episode. And again, I really highly recommend grabbing a notebook or a journal for it, or even if it's just in a note in your phone, definitely take some notes. It's a staple that will certainly continue to build upon throughout the Confidently Me with CC podcast. I don't know why I always have to say that podcast name and that voice. Ah, just so excited. Okay. Anywho, we have always learned to kind of use feelings and emotions interchangeably as synonyms for each other, but there are surely distinct differences and it's really important for us to acknowledge that. So tapping into feelings and emotions might be the absolute most vulnerable thing ever, but also I will say it is the biggest way you can show up for yourself. So here's to you and your journey and here's to all of you that you are. And to all those people who are thinking, ah, I'm not emotional, I don't have emotions, plot twist, you do. And the faster you can accept and embrace this fact, the happier and more fulfilled and aligned you'll end up being in your life as a result. The purpose of this episode is to be a PSA, so public service announcement, around the fact that we're A, inevitably have feelings and emotions, and that no matter how amazing or scary they might seem, it's simply part of being human and becoming the most confident version of yourself, and B, there are many healthy ways to acknowledge and work through our feelings and emotions instead of stuffing them deep inside of us, leading to a lot of negative implications as a result. I would also like to make it super clear that I'm not a doctor, nor am I a therapist, and I really only speak for my own personal experiences and point of view, all of my own acquired knowledge and growth. And my hope is really to inspire you with this episode and really leave you feeling curious around your relationship with your feelings and emotions and really help you figure out which method works best for you to healthfully embrace them so you can become the best version of yourself. And also when I say confident, 
I mean feeling really empowered by this knowing that you have behind whatever emotion or feeling you're experiencing, regardless of how easy it or hard it is to experience, knowing that you can get through it and knowing that you can go into your emotional toolkit to really set yourself up for success. Like, if shit just keeps on getting brushed under the rug time and time again, it's going to come so- come out somewhere else. Like a volcano. It'll just keep building up and up until you have that massive explosion. And really to lean into this curiosity for a sec. If you listen to anything in this episode, this is one of the things you should listen to, by the way. When we get curious around what tends to make us feel the way we do and take stock of what our emotional triggers might be, we can start building a relationship with it. And it really allows us to set these healthy expectations with ourselves, like establishing our own personal boundaries with our very own feelings and emotions. Whoa, did you even know that that's something that you could set boundaries with, your own feelings and emotions? And really, that's what I want to help you do with this episode. So when we set these expectations and be prepared, you know, always be prepared, that Boy Scout motto, like knowing how we're going to feel after going to a family event like Thanksgiving dinner and preparing for ourselves for it ahead of time, well, the feelings might still feel shitty. At least we're freaking prepared. And know that afterwards, we can go to our healthy toolkit for help. And that also might just soften the blow a bit. Like you'll find out about this later in the episode, but maybe, maybe you need to go scream in a pillow after Thanksgiving with your family. You'll see. Furthermore, it's also like, wait a second, I can handle anything no matter what. It's like building this muscle and the confidence peeps, the confidence that knowing that you can handle anything and that you will be okay is absolutely key for this whole thing to work. You got to be open to letting things in, feeling what you feel, experiencing the emotions that us humans so naturally do. And really also remember that feelings and emotions is such a beautiful part of our wonderfully complex species. Animals don't feel this to the extent that we do. Animals don't emote to the extent that we do. That's why you can literally leave a dog in a trunk for four hours, and when you open it, they'll be nothing but excited to see you. But if you did that to a human, it would be a way different vibe. I can guarantee you that right now. So part of our embracing our time here is really embracing this whole human potential thing. And with that comes actually feeling our feelings and emoting our emotions. So bottom line with this episode, I want you to feel empowered to embrace your feelings and emotions and know that you're always going to be okay. So why are feelings and emotions important? Fundamentally, they help us get what we need. Like why are babies automatically programmed to cry or scream? It's because they need something. Or when a baby coos and giggles, it's a sign that they're content, that their needs are met for the time being. And it's interesting thinking about how the act of crying is actually represented among babies versus adults. Similarly, We cry when we're sad, when we're frustrated, when we're experiencing pain. We need something, but we can't get it. It also acts as a release, which is definitely necessary on occasion. The only reason why we would not express our emotions and feelings as adults is if we were taught that as a kid. You know, learning that expressing such was not an acceptable thing to do from a very young age for whatever reason. That that emotional expression was bad or frowned upon, confusing, or just simply not modeled to us. Like maybe nobody explicitly said, child, emotions are bad. Feelings are bad. If you do it, I will get upset with you. But maybe you just had parents that weren't emotional people. So naturally you just 
reflected what they did and learn not to be emotionally expressive since nobody ever prompted you to be that way in the first place. Or maybe you were someone who grew up in a house where things were always kind of brushed under the rug or weren't really addressed. Or maybe emotions and showing feelings was just not accepted or welcome, either because it was seen as a sign of weakness or maybe exposes something a parental figure doesn't want shown to the outside world. And as children, uh, children, just being so vulnerable and dependent that we just so easily absorb things and believe things and practice things so much from a very young age that even if it wasn't necessarily your family who taught you not to be emotional, early school vibes don't really help with it either. Like when kids get teased for being a crybaby in grade school or how about that one angry kid in your class who constantly disrupted the teacher? Like all of those actions are done as a result of people's emotions. And those emotions are all signals for what's really going inside that child. So it's really important that we listen to and honor and promote that children have these very natural experiences. And it's just part of us being human. So my mom raised me to be super emotive and always promoted ex me expressing my feelings and expressing my emotions. And even today, I actually love my emotions so much and I genuinely enjoy emoting. I mean, whew, a good cry, fam. There is nothing better, but whether good or bad, because either way, it's just an outward expression of what I'm authentically feeling inside. And it really just feels good for me not to have to hold anything in. I'm also super lucky and I'm so grateful for that, but it wasn't always accepted by other people. When I was younger, I was also a super emotional kid. And like I'm saying, my mom would literally always let me cry at home and really openly express my feelings. Her way of protecting me throughout my life was really giving me a safe space for me to feel and emote as needed. But outside of the house, it wasn't so safe for me to do so. Not because of my mom, but because of all the other people out there and their relationships to emotions and feelings. When I was at playdates with my friends, I would literally start crying whenever my mom would come to pick me up because I was so freaking sad to leave all of the fun that I was having with my friend. And I was also an only child at that time, so the connection and fulfillment I'd get from hanging out with my friends really, really hit deep. Uh, my one friend from growing up, Greta, her mom actually banned me from coming over to her house because she thought it was absurd that I would cry every time I left her house and didn't want her daughter to think that it was okay to do that. Totally unable to see that I was just a kid who was super sad for being literally forced to leave a really fun play date. It wasn't safe for me then, and now, even today, I kind of feel self-conscious crying and emoting like that in front of outside people, despite my mom being so open to my emotions as a kid. Honestly, I think it's one of the reasons that I love going to the movies by myself. Whether it's a happy cry or sad cry, it is my safe space to just let it all out in a dark room all by myself. So I think a lot of us adults were taught that overt expression of feelings and emotion just isn't acceptable. And I would say that I think it's causing a bit of a crisis right now, especially as all these people enter adulthood and just keep burying everything they feel, dismissing a lot of what they think, really just to survive and keep up with the status quo, such as wasting precious time on relationships that don't mean much to us or being in jobs that leave us unfulfilled. But first, to dive a bit deeper into feelings, just to differentiate, remember, feelings and emotions are different. We're going to differentiate those two, and then we're going to bring them all together. Then we're going to close out the episode by going over some healthy ways that you can emote, that you don't have to be so vulnerable in order to do so. Anywho, diving into feelings. So 
feelings, they're a totally conscious experience. They can be anything from like a physical sensation, like feeling hunger, or an experience triggered by an emotion like guilt or shame. They're front of mind. Feelings are self-contained. Like you might be experiencing certain feelings in your body or in your mind, but the only way that anyone else will ever know about them is if you either show signs of it through like body language, like if you hunch over or just share it with someone verbally or however else you might communicate with someone. Like where are all my telepathic homies at? (laughs) I digress. Anywho, when evaluating our feelings, we have a natural tendency to categorize them into buckets like pleasant and unpleasant. An example that comes to mind for me immediately is like the difference between feeling love and feeling pain. Those both manifest completely differently in the mind and in the body where I would describe like a loveful feeling as something that's warm, fuzzy in your belly, exciting, enriching. It's something you crave more of. It's safe. It's open-hearted. It makes you feel alive. Where pain, I would describe as crippling, depressive, like you're hunched over, daunting, harsh, tiresome, acheful, bitter. You want to reduce it. You want it to go away. You want to minimize. The way feelings manifest in our minds and bodies helps direct us towards how we can best handle them. But a lot of times, people don't handle them at all. I'm going to put a tackle in this for a second. Just hang on. As we dive into emotions, we're going to bring it together and we're going to just keep diving deeper into this topic that is just so fundamentally human. So emotions, on the other hand, Emotions can really be felt through an actual emotional experience. These experiences can occur on both the conscious and subconscious level where feelings only occur consciously. The very emotional experience, though, is what signals that an emotion is actually happening within us. Like, we might show an emotional experience through exhibiting different behaviors, having certain reactions, thoughts, beliefs, desires, most of which happens subconsciously and is really important because it's what makes us us. Emotional awareness helps us know what we need and want or don't want, and it helps us build better relationships. And that's because being aware of our emotions can help us talk and communicate about our feelings more clearly where we can avoid and resolve conflicts better and we can move past and through difficult feelings more easily. Does that make sense? Emotions serve a purpose in our lives because they really help give life meaning. I mean, they're what motivate us to lead purposeful lives and really are a reflection of who we are at our core because they're what ensures we're living towards our values and why when we live towards our values, we're fulfilled, we feel worthy, and we feel like we have meaning. Again, emotions are really what gives us purpose in life and really that's what being a human is all about. For example, thinking back to my values episode, I really only started to learn about what I value through the things I found myself emotionally attached to or driven by, especially as I started to do a lot of work on myself and becoming really curious around why I am the way I am and really using my emotions and how I'm feeling, what those experiences are as a tool in my toolkit to help give my life meaning, to feel like I have a seat at the table of my own life. You see what I mean? So now I'll naturally go through significant emotional experiences when I'm engaging in things that I highly value, like personal development, for an example, meaning embracing my own potential and putting the work into the things that will help me become the person that I believe I meant to be at my core. 
it's literally why I started this podcast because of the profound emotional experience, almost acting like as an incentive to pursue my dreams of the joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and pride I get simply out of taking action towards achieving my greatest potential, which might be through this podcast, like me recording this episode right now. I know I have a lot of energy to bring to you and it all comes from this authentic place of being really emotionally attached to and fulfilled by doing this podcast or writing a book or going to therapy or giving advice. It's all specific to me and who I am at my core. Someone else might not have the same emotional experiences around a value like personal development, but maybe they have something similar around their own personal value like friendship, you know, close relationships with others because that's what they highly value at their core. Does that all make sense? I know this is heavy and a lot of stuff, but I know you're ready for it, fam. You got this. So let's just take a deep breath. And now we bring feelings and emotions together. So to bring feelings and emotions together, I like to think about a car. The emotion is the car itself. It's the vehicle that's meant to bring something efficiently from point A to point B. But if nobody's in the driver's seat telling it to turn, speed up, slow down, or direct it to wherever it's going, the car is just a car. The feeling, though, that's what's in the driver's seat. The feeling is what's telling the car what to do, telling the car where to go, how to get there, and really mapping out the journey for the emotion, aka the car, to get to where it's going. The feeling is what actually gives the car its purpose. Feelings are how our brain assigns meaning to our emotions. They're what give it direction. They're what helps the emotion signal its presence to our brain and our bodies. Really, quite literally, how we feel our emotions. Like if we think about a nervous belly, it can indicate many different emotions. You can be anything from scared, fearful, nervous, or it can also mean that you're super excited, motivated, hopeful, like when you have a crush on someone. Either way, that sensation you're experiencing in your body from that feeling is really what's going to help dictate which actions or thoughts or behaviors you do or have next. And all that initially stems from the emotion being fired away in your brain. So feelings and emotions really, really work together as an ecosystem, which is why if we cut off letting our emotions in, we go to a numb place where we also really, really can't feel our feelings. And if we can't feel, we're not living as an authentic representation of ourselves. And if we're not authentic, then we can't really, truly be confident. And if we can't be confident, then we're just living fake lives and If we're doing this whole human thing in the first place, which is really a big-ass commitment, why not become the truest version of ourselves as early on as possible so we can maximize our 28,000 or so days on this planet? I mean, really, people. Bottom line here is that in order to feel, we must welcome our emotions. They go hand in hand. And if we don't let our emotions in, blocking us from feeling things, the energy is going to go elsewhere. I mean, if there is anything I remember from sixth grade science class, Einstein said it himself. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It only be changed from one form to another. So dealing with positive emotions, I'd say, is a lot easier than dealing with negative ones. Yes, it is certainly possible and very common for people to only let in positive emotions, but then block out the negative ones, which is cool, but lacks the wholeness I was talking about earlier. You're not going to feel like a whole person if you're only letting half of your feelings and emotions in. So 
When it comes to those more negative emotions that are harder to acknowledge and work through, that energy will only lead to a negative bodily and mental implications as a result. You might get sick. You could get a rash. You might have digestive issues or chronic headaches. It could also come out in an addiction or a potential eating disorder because that's the only way you know how to cope, control, release, and experience relief. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be not sensitive or burst any non-emotional bubbles here, fam, but nobody is completely invincible to this stuff. I go through it too, but one of the ways that I've gotten to this place where I am today where I do feel so confident and good in my skin is because I've been so opening and welcoming to whatever emotion or feeling presents itself. And as soon as it does, I have my whole process. I get really curious about it. I figure out what I need to do to handle the emotion, and then I write it down and I talk about it with my therapist in my next session. Really, I have my whole system and it's this really beautiful way of navigating that bittersweet of life. So emotional <laughs> emotions are unstoppable, fam. So we might as well build a relationship with them, allowing them to happen when they do and knowing that we'll always be okay. Knowing that you will always be okay and you can get through anything. It's literally why I'm here. I am here to teach you how to work through these things so you have the confidence throughout your life to know that you can handle absolutely anything anything and that you will always, always, always be okay. Because at the end of the day, you always have you. Like with the weather, we cannot control our beloved mother nature. It doesn't stop raining though until it stops raining and we just have to accept that. We might have just gotten a blowout and maybe we have a big night out planned ahead of us, but still have to manage around the rain because we can't control when it starts and when it stops. It is what it freaking is. But what we must acknowledge is that the brain is present because otherwise we'll have wasted about $50 on a blowout and we'll have put all of this work into getting glam to ultimately have it ruined because we were too ignorant or in too much denial that we didn't check the damn weather that day. And that just maybe by not acknowledging that it's raining, it won't actually rain, which it just doesn't work like that, fam. Remember, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just goes elsewhere. So now that we're basically unofficial experts in feelings and emotions, what is the one thing that they require in order for us to truly experience them? It's vulnerability, fam. And vulnerability is also why I would say some of us don't experience them. Oh, the amazing... Well, I've never said amazing like that or saying amazing like that, but the amazing Brene Brown defines vulnerability in her book, Atlas of the Heart, as the emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And in her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, she says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. You hear that, people? No control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. Whew, damn, that is badass that Brene thought of all that. Um, while being vulnerable might seem risky, it's a high risk, high reward type of thing. You know, gosh forbid we put ourselves out there. We might make a mess out of our reputations or maybe even lose some friends. But at the same time, it might be a new sense of being embraced by others and feeling connectedness and belonging like never before. And if you're vulnerable and and shown that it's something that's not accepted in whatever environment that you might be being vulnerable in, those people or that thing is probably not the right thing for you. 
And that's okay because guess what? Your life is so much better off without it. And there's a massive sense of confidence in being vulnerable because you are opting in. You are swiping right to exposing yourself without knowing what the outcome's going to be. But you're doing it anyway. The confidence behind it is the trust in knowing that being vulnerable, that tapping into and acknowledging and expressing your feelings and emotions, that exposing yourself from the inside out is ultimately the greatest expression of courage and will ultimately lead you to a happier, more fulfilling, and purposeful life with people in it who matter to you and attracting things that are meant for you. I mean, I feel like the only reason why vulnerability is such a big deal to humans is because we've been conditioned in this way in the first place to feel shame and take a risk simply by being brave enough to convey an authentic expression of ourselves. So, I'm going to teach you about a few different ways to ease into being vulnerable and channeling your feelings and emotions so you don't keep them in, but safely and securely express them out without it needing to involve anyone on the outside. This all just really has to do with you and things that you can provide for yourself in your emotional toolkit that allow you to safely access these emotions. So you can find different ways to evoke and process your emotions where it really doesn't have to be so external and obvious and requires a lot less vulnerability, like I'm saying. So for example, when I went through my first big heartbreak, so this is a couple exes ago, I was absolutely devastated. And even though I'm a highly emotional person and I had so much heartbreak muck that I needed to get out. So what did I do? I watched The Notebook on repeat until my body literally completely ran out of salt water and I simply could not cry anymore. The good thing about it, though, is that it gave me a medium for letting it out. Like, I didn't have to talk about it to anyone. I didn't have to be with anyone or anything other than myself in a box of tissues. I just watched The Notebook and freaking let it out. So for you, fam, I have come up with five primary pillars to safely and healthily, healthfully, healthily, healthfully, express emotions that you can also find in the show notes so you can easily access them or screenshot it so it can just be available to you at any time. Like literally screenshot it and heart it and then it goes into your favorites folder in your your phone. You know, just anything that you can provide for yourself that's going to make yourself be there for yourself when you really need yourself. You know, all we're all we got at the end of the day. Um, I also kind of feel like this is like a love languages thing, but instead of love, it's how you go about working through emotions and feelings. Uh, More than one can certainly resonate, so I welcome you to stash as many as you want into your emotional toolkit. So the first one is language. Language is so powerful, especially as a major way to identify and label our emotions. It's underrated to me, and I feel like we as humans sometimes take advantage of language, especially if we only speak one that's been native to us. Um, I'm raising my hand to that. Um, I want you to feel empowered by it, though, and utilize language to help really contextualize what's going on in our lives and really work through things. So... There are a couple things that have been super helpful to me in learning how to put words to the emotions and feelings that I feel. One of them is another, just Brene Brown, the amazing Brene Brown um, in Atlas of the Heart, the book I was talking about earlier. It's basically a dictionary of 87 human emotions and experiences that define what it means to be human. It's literally my personal Bible and I have a digital copy of it so it can be accessed anytime, anywhere by me when I really need to put language and words to my emotions. Another one is the feelings wheel, which I've also uh, linked in the show notes. It's literally just feelingswheel.com. 
Uh, but basically, it's the circular graph that shows a whole range of human emotions and how they relate to one another. So for example, there might be a core emotion shown that's happy, and that's like in the first layer. And then the next layer of this, you know, triangle slice of the 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 circle graph wheel thing um, will then show relatable emotion stemming from happiness, which will be like playful, proud, accepted. And then sometimes there's even a third layer. The one I'm I'm linking for you has a third layer where additional emotions pile on like cheeky, free, respected, value. Those will all show up in that core happiness line. So different ways you can express emotions and feelings through language is journaling. I could easily do a whole episode on journaling if that's something that y'all want to hear. Also talking with your therapist or a trusted friend or parent. I do this a lot, recording a voice memo in your phone for yourself to just safely talk through what you're feeling with, without having to expose anything to the outside or outside people. Ultimately, though, language can be one of the most effective tools for working through your emotions and feelings. So really don't hesitate to explore what, what might resonate with you. And even though this exploration of feelings and emotions might be a super vulnerable thing to do, like this is something you're doing for yourself. You're working through the emotion and it's going to just show up your life in so many positive ways. I promise. All right. The next one and our second pillar is sound. Sound is so powerful. It's literal vibrational energy. That's why if you listen to like a certain song on your way to work and you get really pumped up, like it has that kind of effect. So even if the sound you make doesn't align with how you feel, it's literally a way of getting it out because there's so much energy behind the frequency of the literal vibrations of those sound waves and all that pent up emotional energy will express itself and exhaust itself through that sound. So whether it's singing your face off to a belty ballad or taking a hot set to scream in a pillow like after Thanksgiving dinner, both are great ways to use sound to express and work through what Ever emotions you're experiencing or emotions or feelings you're experiencing. Wow, I just tried to combine like all three of those words. My brain is so interesting. Anywho, next and third is definitely a common one. It's movement or physical exertion. You might already do this naturally, but for me, when I'm feeling all pent up, I love to go for a long ass run. And sometimes I run longer than I even thought I was capable of just because it's the reflection of how much pent up shit I have. It's so satisfying to me. And I know it's something that works for me and that I always have in my emotional toolkit. Um, sometimes also like if it's in the middle of winter and I don't want to go for an outside run, I'll do a boxing class or even a yoga can help express emotion. Like every once in a while, I'll do a yoga class and after I'll randomly start crying. Sometimes I don't know what it's about, but I know that the reaction is significant and it's me working through and disposing of whatever is causing it to to be happening. So that's really awesome. Another example I saw actually when I was watching the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, is whenever Mr. Rogers would get angry, he would go to a piano and just bang on the keys of the piano to get it out and then feel the noise back as a reflection of his physical exertion of releasing all of those pent up feelings and emotions. Really though, just to sweat is just a release in itself. I find that when I'm going through a more emotionally turbulent time, I actually sweat more in my workouts, even if it's a low-key workout. So any kind of physical movement, also even if it's just walking outside, that is super powerful in itself. So our fourth pillar is one that's a little bit more chill or a lot more chill, I would say. It's stillness. The power of meditation and just being, fam. Can I get an ohm 
from the back. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I know this is a hard one for a lot of people, but oh, my goodness, is it powerful and effective. When we don't have any distractions or ways to lose ourselves and just being with ourselves in our own stillness, it really allows for things to come up that don't otherwise come up when we're always doing, doing, doing and going, going, going. I mean, I could easily talk about this for hours. So to keep it short and sweet, hop on YouTube and check out a little free 10-minute guided meditation to get started. Just try and see what happens when you sit in stillness for just a few minutes and maybe work through whatever it is that you're going through or just things that might come up, might come up and, and you didn't even realize those things were sitting with you in the first place. So finally, the last pillar, which I would say is probably among the most common, is looking at music and or movies to really access your emotions, fam. Like when I watched The Notebook after my breakup. What makes artists and creatives so, so incredible is that they use their gift, they use their craft as their own way of emotional expression, and we all get to benefit from it because it helps us get through whatever it is that we need to get through or escape in whatever ways we need to escape or just access whatever emotions we need to access. I mean, for me, whew, when I'm feeling a little bit weary, a little bit sad, uh, Brandy Carlisle really hits home for me. I'll literally just blast every single song she's ever released and I'll cry and I'll feel and I'll be and I'll emote, especially when the song The Story comes on. Oh my God. It's like freaking Niagara Falls on my face after that. So those are really the five pillars. I'm going to put them in the show notes, but just as a reminder, we have language, we have sound, we have movement or physical exertion, we have stillness, and we have music or movies. All of those different things evoke different emotions in a really safe way where you don't have to feel like you're exposing so much of yourself but can still get the job done. So concluding today's episode with today's pro tip, all I want you to do in your me, myself, and I locked note, and remember this will be in the show notes as well, is simply identify three things. That's it. Just three things that you can use to work through feelings and emotions for you. It can be anything from the five pillars I just shared or something else if that's what resonates for you. It could be a go-to song, a go-to exercise activity or class, a go-to person you can call or an activity you can do with yourself. Next time you're overwhelmed with the surge of mixed feelings and emotions and really feeling that anxiety is high, you know that you can look to these things to get your needs met, help yourself feel seen, and use them to successfully work through some of the feelings and emotions without having it eat away at you in some other area of your life. And don't forget, the Feelings Wheel is linked in the show notes. Check it out or bookmark it or do whatever you need to do to easily access it always. I mean, I love a good screenshot and then hearting the picture. You can always access whatever you need in your favorites album in your phone. So anywho, fam, ugh, I am just so proud of you for doing this work. I'm also, I'm proud of me too for coming together with you to do this. It's not so easy, but we have to start somewhere. It must begin somewhere for it to flourish into a full-fledged, amazing, wonderful journey. You got this, fam. You so got this. And if you want to talk about it on the side or, you know, you want to lean into it a bit, or you need a little safe space person to, to vent to for a bit. I'm always here for you. You can always slide into my DMs. You always have me and the Confidently Me with CC podcast to have your back. So you really got this. 
You're going to be your own bestie. I know it. And I will catch you next time. Thank you so, so much for being here with me. And I literally love you all so much. And I don't even know who's on the other side of this thing. So you rock. Keep being you. Illy. Cece, over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Confidently Me with Cece podcast. Your journey doesn't end here. Check me out on the gram at Caroline Cannon and on TikTok at Confidently Cece. Feeling empowered already? Let me know your thoughts by leaving a review, five-star rating, and subscribing to the show. Here's to you and your journey. This stuff isn't always easy, but it's a long-term investment in building a relationship with yourself. You know, the person you're stuck with your entire life. (laughs) Tune in on Tuesdays for more great vibes, high energy, and especially confidence boosting. CC, over and out.